Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you as always by Olympic hopeful turned boxer and all-round sporting polymath Isabella Rossitano, arm wrestling influencer Hollywood Matt Connolly, and combat sports ring announcer Dave Stockbridge. So join Izzy, Dave, and Matt as we talk about the world of combat sports on this episode of the Daily Combat Podcast. Hello everybody, this is Hollywood Matt Connolly. I am here with one of the legends of the northern suburbs, Tim Jardine, a former state champion boxer and absolute legendary footballer, one of the most charismatic and hilarious Funny guys that I've ever met. Uh, this guy has more stories than the Empire State Building. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's a fantastic guy. I've known him uh, for, well, how long have we known each other? Maybe seven, eight years now? Yep, that's it. So, Met in security. That's hmm. right. So we were working security <laughs> together. And uh, once you meet Tim the first time, it's like, uh, wow, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was, uh, it, you know, we ended up... Um, going different ways with the security industry and uh, remain in contact. And whenever we call each other, it's always... I know when Tim's calling, it's going to be a funny conversation. <laughs> I think I spend the whole time laughing. So yeah, we're like, we've got to get you on the show. And so you've made the appearance and here you are. Um, so yes, uh, thank you for coming in. And uh, first thing I wanted to ask you about was your home gym. You recently changed some things that you were doing with your training. Uh, that's right. Yep, I've been training since 86. Yeah. It was a long time, and uh, I gave up going into commercial gyms. Yeah, what's that? In the 206, because they were just filled up with their mm. wannabes, all the shaved down people, people yeah. on steroids. Yeah. Okay. Uh, none of that at your gym, I'm guessing. That's, <laughs> that's just to put it a bit bluntly. <laughs> so, I, yeah. so I've left the gym and got my own gym, and uh, I've got over 700 kilo free weight in there. And, uh, yeah, no machines, just uh, bench pressing and all that sort of stuff. Still train four days a week. For an hour, yeah, and cut it all down. I still go for an hour walk seven days a week. Keep the aerobic fitness. I am sixty. I am a yeah. senior citizen, so mm. we're got, got to keep uh, plugging in there. Bus pass. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of people <laughs> would be super surprised to learn that you, you're sixty-one, and uh, I've, I've known you for a, a long, long time as well. And I had no idea. I'd lost track as to how old you might <laughs> actually be. But uh, as a young guy, kind of growing up and going to the gym, you know, uh, there was always Tim there. And uh, I reckon Tim might have been the first person I saw in person bench press <laughs> more than 100 kilos. Like the, the first person I witnessed actually oh, doing right. it. Yeah, with two pla- and I think he might have just been warming up as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> You're being too kind, Dave. <laughs> but, but Tim, what, 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 had, had you always been a sporty kid? Like, is it, uh, yeah, did you? Yeah. 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 Growing up in the northern suburbs, Elizabeth, I'm a, uh, I'm a son of a uh, 10-pound pom. Yeah. So, Arrived in Elizabeth in about 64, 65, and uh, yeah, there was nothing much to do in Elizabeth. Yeah. So yeah, started playing footy about eight, nine, and uh, yeah, kept on playing until I was about in my 30s. And, and did you have a, have ambition of going to the next step or playing? Oh, look, I, I always wanted to play league footy, but uh, just uh, life just went down the other path. Yeah. <coughs> Where was the fork in the road for you where you had to make that decision about... I'm going to pursue this or I'm going to... Having a shit fucking home life, I think. You know, having parents who didn't give a shit about you, so you grew up on your streets and, uh, yeah, yeah, parents didn't give a shit about me. So, uh, yeah, you just uh, gravitate to the sport and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I had no support back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. There was no pathways to AFL or league and all that. And uh, they weren't 
if I went out to a league footy club, they would have just took one look at me and thought, this guy's too fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the leading goal kicker in the league, though, it was it three years in a row? You in the association, what? no. The, no yeah, was no. it 90, 90 goals, no, uh, 95 and then 110? In 98, I kicked 90. In uh, 81, I kicked 95. And then seven years later, on one leg, I kicked 110 in 12 games. Yeah. And that's yeah. playing association footy, yeah. yeah. Wow. You know, 12 games. 110 oh my God. on one leg. And six in the grand final. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm no legs. I couldn't even walk. <laughs> <laughs> they just plonked me down at full forward. Yeah. But back in the 80s, you know, there was lots of high-flying, flamboyant full forwards and uh, I was just one of them. But, uh, yeah. You have the long hair. and Yeah, the... yeah, had the mullet and the tight shorts. Like, a, you know, Warwick Cap and Mark Jackson. But, you know, I, I fell into drug use around the age of 10, so I was basically pretty well shafted then. And that's why I never went anywhere. You, yeah. Is it really? That's what you felt like. So it sounds like you had the skill set, and, oh, oh, and, and yeah, just yeah. never had the support, just never had the encouragement around. or anything. So you know, there was lots of guys that could have played league footy back in those days that just just hit the piss and yeah. I'd rather just go out on the weekends and you know with as many chicks as you could. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Al- alcohol and women tend to be the di- diverging factors when it comes to uh, budding sporting careers, and uh, all of a sudden, seventeen hits, and uh, you know, other priorities start to emerge. Yeah. Uh, so, did you have those distractions? So, do you, do you feel like that's what led you, uh, perhaps, away from making the most of a footy career? No, nah, I was too mentally sh- shafted. You reckon? Yeah, I, I was roached from an early age. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I had no show. Yeah, had no show. And did that reflect, like, for for so for a, a potential um, AFL team or SANFL team back then? Do you, do you think that for from their perspective, they wouldn't have been able to work with you? Oh no, they didn't even know. You know, I just never went out there. You I, never tried. No, Alan Stewart was coach in Central's Districts Under Seventeens at the time. Yeah, and he went out. He went on to do all the Port Adelaide Power stuff and all that. And uh, yeah, I got a letter to go out the training for the Under Seventeens, but never went. And they ended up winning their premiership that year, and I probably played, you know, with three or four guys in that team, and wow. I was probably better than them. Yeah, <clears throat> but my home life was just shafted; it was fucked. And and so, did that lead to like a lack of belief, or or, or a loss of discipline, or just guidance, just focus, just, guidance just yeah. to somebody? Saying, I always I always had the skill. Yeah, and I never trained. Yeah, they used to call me the moth. Because I was always under the fucking light. Where is he? <laughs> Standing under the light. Mate, I played full forwards. So I didn't have to do too much running. Yeah. And, and I had shafted knees anyway. I was just good at taking a hanger and I could kick a good goal. Yep. But I grew up in the backyard as a young kid just kicking those brown plastic footies. Yep. And the next door neighbour had two bull terriers. So I fucking <laughs> learned how to really do a really good kick nice and straight because nice. I went off the side all you see is these bits of plastic oh, there, there goes another footy I'm going to have to wait until Easter to get another one <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a new training technique yeah, that's right and next thing you see the crows they're like okay well, we need some dogs we need some plastic football <laughs> yeah. can we still get them Kmart right gotcha um, <laughs> exactly so, so, so I was one of those guys that... So you were full of potential. Oh, mate. I was one of those guys, and you know, but we're talking about the 60s and 70s here when, you know, life was different. Yeah. You know, and, and living in the northern suburbs, you know, life was different back then. And uh, mm. and you're up against men. Footy's a lot different these days. There's lots of boys playing it, but men were men back then. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
Was it, it was there money like if you were a league footballer at that? Oh, level? back in those days, yeah, I, I was even getting paid at out of Eastern Park. Okay, mm-hmm. I was getting a bit of cash out there. So if you, if you were at the league level, it was like something that would be oh, like yeah. full time income. Yeah, because that was the only uh, that was the only uh, uh, competitioner in in South Australia at the time. Wasn't yeah, that's it? right. Before the AFL came out, ultimate club that you would have liked <coughs> to have played for was it was it Glenelg? Oh, I would have been Glenelg, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, I grew up uh, idolising Graham Corns, oh, yeah. Peter Marker, Freddie Phyllis. Yep, yep. You know, great full forward. Just go and hang out in the club rooms? Is oh, yeah, as a little kid, yep. Used to hang out at the Central District Footy. Because I, I played in all the association, you know, all the junior association teams and all that. So I had it. Yeah. yeah. It was just that uh, yeah, I just I slipped into drug use really early, you know, and smoking. So I was smoking, doing drugs at probably 13, 14, getting pissed at 15. It was just, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just, but I had all the talent. Yeah. Just didn't have the, the support and the focus there and, you know, a couple of shit parents that just didn't give a fucking shit about me and, uh, you know. And, and 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 that happened to a lot of people. I mean, yeah, you know, you can listen to Jimmy Barnes. I mean, he rattled on about Elizabeth for forty years. Yeah, you know, bagging it, and you know, but then all of a sudden, when it was trendy to come from Elizabeth with all the mass murderers and serial killings and all that's trendy to come from Elizabeth. Now he loves it, you know. Yeah. And, hey! But back yeah. in those days, I mean, he bagged Elizabeth for forty years, mm. and it was a it was a different place to grow up back then. You know, was, yeah. you had to fight for yourself, and uh, you know, your parents didn't give a shit. They kicked you out of the house at sixteen. You know, mm. Back off, you know. That was it. Yeah. And and so as you're getting through uh, through your, your teenage years, uh, were you still playing football at 16, 17, 18? No. 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 So, so I had to go to work. So you were working? You're out of home? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, I was still living home. But, still living home. But I was just just using it as just a room, you know. Yeah. Parents, as I say, didn't give a shit. And they, and they said either, you know, get a job or fuck off. So, yes. And, and with mum and dad, did they, had they fallen into drug use? No, 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 no. No, the old man was a uh, military man. Right. He was a Queen's Guard in Borough Castle. He was Scottish, six foot seven. Wow. You know, you look at Chopper Reed and all that. His old man was ex military and all that. And that, that's how I grew up. You so know? just a really harsh, oh, hard, oh, cold, yeah. unemotional. Yeah, no affection, no love. I don't think I can even remember him calling me by my name. It was just, you, oi, oi, ee, ee. Right. Know? And wow. then the only time he sort of had anything to do with me was when he smacked me across the head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I had a horrible fucking time at school and all that. But the football was the one thing I had. Yeah. And I could identify as being as a football player because that's all I was good at. Yeah. I only found out in 2017 that I'm dyslexic, so I can't read and write. So I've had to go through all my life thinking I was a dumb fuckwit because everyone told me I was. Yeah. So, you know, I've, you know. So it went downhill from an early age at primary school. and It's not like it is today. No. You know, you had no one to turn to. Yeah. I mean, back in those days, the only one you had to turn to was a fucking Catholic priest and you didn't want to go there, did you? <laughs> <laughs> That was just a bit of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, George Pell. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, you just uh, struggle you th- you know, through life and, uh, yeah. So in, in terms of you, you'd kind of given up on doing anything in terms of sport for a while. And, but you, you seem to have an aptitude for training and, and obviously a discipline's entered at some point in your life when it came to to training and looking after yourself? When, when did the focus start to turn to yourself and training and, 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 and being healthy and, and robust and strong? When, when did that start to occur to you that get, getting into weights was a good idea? I think when I finished playing footy. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I suffered a knee reconstruction in 86. Oh, no, I dumb knee in 84. Mm-hmm. And then I had a... Uh, a triple uh, carbon fibre ligament transplant, which right. uh, was uh, an experimental uh, 
and new reconstruction at the time in 84, 85, 86. Barry Robin had the same one mm-hmm. and, and, you, and, and he never came back and I couldn't come back and that's why I mean I ended up coming back on one leg and kicked 110, mm. you know, but, you know, and you had to wear a big brace back in those days and, it, and, and, and my knee still fucks me up now. I mean, I was only I only had it reoperated on in 2019, and the surgeon said, "Mate, you need a knee replacement." Stuffed, and I said, "Yeah, you guys fucked it up, fucking 14, 15." So I've always walked with a limp ever since then, yeah, because it was an experiment operation, and they fucked up. Was it yeah. too tight? The, yeah, the yeah, tight, yeah, yeah. They tightened, yeah, all the ligaments. I mean, they're made out of carbon fibre. That's what they make bloody yachts out of. Yeah. Isn't it? There, there's no giving it. So, so there's no sort of bend in my knee. It's just straight. Yeah. So that affects your hip, your back, and your shoulder, and everything. So, I yeah. So when I gave up footy, well, I was doing weights. But once I gave up footy, I really got been stuck into the weights. Mm. And and so uh, and, and what did you get out of that? Were you were you training for something, or no, was it no. just in- self esteem, confidence, so- a bit of worth, focus, something to do every day, something I could con- control, makes you look good, makes you feel good, the endorphins, you know, beats sitting around doing fuck all. I say I'm sixty now, and uh, people still look at me with the Muslim bum bags looking at me. You know, I want to take me out, and I'm sixty. Yeah, that's because I keep training. Yeah, I don't smoke, I don't drink. So you know, you got a good, you got to have a leave. Good, lead a good lifestyle. And, and when did you give up on the smoking and the drinking? Yeah, the drinking was uh, Tuesday. Four years? No, no. <laughs> <coughs> four years ago, I oh, gave yeah. up drinking, but I haven't had a cigarette in eighteen years. Incredible. Yeah, wow. and, and, I and, up, and, and having had, started pretty early, I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I started drinking at 13, 14, 15. I started doing drugs. I was doing solvents and all that sort of stuff at ten. Wow. Just to escape the abuse I was suffering at home. You know, mm. fucked. Yeah. And that's why my footy career never went. But that's the only thing I had when I was growing up was the footy. I used to sleep with a plastic footy like the, like everyone did. Always had a footy, always had a footy, 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 footy. Yeah. I was, always, I was always sports mad, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple of my mates were all boxing and all that and they all went on to, you know, a couple of them went on to be, you know, Australian champions and stuff like that. And uh, you know. So I took up boxing when I finished footy. But the problem was I had a fuck knee, <laughs> fuck tip, fuck back, and I was waiting for a shoulder reconstruction. <laughs> And uh, when I went to the So doc- perfect for boxing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> the perfect time to yeah. get into it. Concerning you, all your strength comes from your knees and your hips and your back. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so it was either <laughs> boxing or skydiving. Either way, <laughs> you were in optimal physical condition. <laughs> and uh, my local doctor was Andrew Weldon, who, who was the Central District's club doctor for over 20 years. Right. And uh, his son's on that MasterChef or whatever, Michael Weldon. Ah. So he said to me, he said, look, I'll sign your medical on one condition. That we organise a shoulder reconstruction as soon as you have a fight, you know. So I mean, my arm was that fucked. Every time I went to throw a punch, it fall out of the socket, you know. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but I still went into the ring and had in front of a thousand people, you know. And even even though I knew I can box, I just done it. Right. You know? So so how how old are you when you take on this challenge of boxing? I was just in my thirties. So which so is which is really late for somebody to take up boxing. boxing. Oh yeah. And had you ever done any type of training no. or? Oh yeah. Before? Oh yeah. Streets. Just streets. Yep. 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 Just <laughs> street fighting, that's it. Yeah. Just in the streets of Elizabeth. That's so it, mate, growing up in the 60s qualified. and 70s, yeah. Just I mean, punching Jimmy Barnes in the face. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, he was a bit older, mate. I think he left Elizabeth at 17. I think he wasn't there that long. I mean, no. he, he grew up in the Port Adelaide area, and uh, I don't know how old he was when he actually got to Elizabeth, but, uh, maybe primary school, but he left at 17. You drive through there once, is yeah. that it? I mean, <laughs> I, I've been in the northern suburbs for 55 years, mm. since 1965. Yeah. I'm, still, I'm still there now. I'm still a house <laughs> I'm unemployed, uneducated, muscly, tattooed, shaved head, half my teeth gone. 
Oh, still looking still, good. Still there. Still there. Still hanging in there. That's still there. Well, like you were saying before, um, you know, half, the, half the people that he used to play footy with or train in the gym with are actually have, have died. Or, or if you do see them now, mm. they look yeah. in very bad conditions. So, so what, what do you think has been the, uh, the secret to your longevity? Like in terms of being able to keep up the training and the discipline over such a long period of time? Because I, yeah. Because I grew up with, without anyone, any love, any affection. Anything, nothing. My parents, I didn't even have any birthday parties. I had no friends. I had nothing. I used to just go home and sit in my wardrobe and wait for the old man to come in and fucking give me a clubbing, you know. And the old lady wouldn't do nothing because, you know, back in those days, you, you couldn't, you know. My old man was six foot six. He was just a Scottish arsehole, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it, it gave me a lot of inner resilience, a lot of, uh, you know, but I've had to do it myself. I've never had any support or anything all my life, you know. Yeah. My, my own brother, I think, tried killing me when I was eight. Huh. Died on the operating table, ruptured my spleen, fell off a cliff on a bike. But he actually said I rode off it, yeah, as I would. Uh-huh. I, I can still think I can remember the big push. Wow. You know? So I ruptured my spleen, died on the operating table, and I had, had to go to Escort House and uh, convalesce there. And we're talking the late 60s here. Hmm. And then the following year I was back out playing footy, you know, <laughs> after having a ruptured spleen. Incredible. And dying on the operating table. I've still got the big scar now. Wow. But it's just, I've always just, it's I've only had to do it myself. Always been self motivated. <laughs> well, I've had to. Yeah, I've never, I've never had any friends, family, nothing yeah. in my life. Right. And then uh, the only person who who um, actually loved me was my fiance, who I met in uh, I think eighty uh, nine. Yeah. But then uh, I think uh, two years later, she got diagnosed with cervical cancer when she was six months six months pregnant, and uh, yeah, she died two years later in bed next to me. So you know. Wow. So and and then a week after I buried her, I fell through a fucking roof and. Ripped out that fucking shoulder again. Oh, so, uh, no. <laughs> wow. So that shoulder, you know, so, uh, yeah. Incredible. And I, and I still went and boxed after that, after I fell through a roof. <laughs> you still went through it, through with it? <laughs> I shouldn't have. Because <laughs> I didn't know how to box. Yeah. I only had two fights, and they're both state titles. Okay. I lost the first one and won the second one. Well, well tell us a little bit about that. Ned. Like, so so you, you found yourself into boxing. How do you find yourself almost immediately walking into a, a, a state title? Right. Well, when you go to an amateur club, they were just full of guys who weighed 30, 40, 50 kilos. Yep. And all of a sudden, there's this big fat pig. I was, I was about 105 kilos. And, all I, and I couldn't do any of the exercise. I couldn't do any sit-ups. I couldn't skip. I couldn't do nothing. I used to just sit at the back hitting the big fucking bag. Mm-hmm. So when all the state titles came around, they were looking around the room going, who can we have for a heavyweight? <laughs> and they went, you! you. I'm going, what, are you actually talking to me? <laughs> Fuck! I've been here two years, you're talking to me? Do you want to have a fight? Shit, yeah! And then as soon as I said yes, I went, oh, fuck, what oh, have I done? Now I've got a fight. Yeah. <laughs> so my first, and, and the guy I knew who was doing all the boxing matchups, his, his name was Steve Oatway, and he's a former South Australian boxing champion, won a lot of titles, really good boxer, and uh, he was doing the matchups. He said, oh, don't worry, Tim. The guy's a paraplegic, he's fucked, he's useless, you'll be right, you know, you'll be right. I said, okay, no worries. So I've, so I've gone to have this boxing title fight at the Arca Bar, and all of a sudden I've looked across, across the ring and there's this guy, and he's just standing there like a fucking bull with his fucking legs. <laughs> I'm thinking, holy shit, what am I fucking doing here? <laughs> Found out he'd had 27 fucking kickboxing fights, didn't I? <laughs> had had a boxing. Wow. But he had 27 kickboxing fights, and this is the first time I was in the ring. I, I hadn't even hardly sparred, because no one even wanted to talk to me. Anyways, I was in the ring, because I was fat. <laughs> I lasted three rounds. Oh, wow. yeah, that's right. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. That's amazing. 
Wow. <laughs> was it what happened in the fire? Like, yeah, how, how, how did you survive? Well, the problem was the helmet they gave me, because you had to wear a helmet, was too small. Oh. And it was like my head was like smushed. So he's, he's, he's giving me a good hit and it split my eye open. Oh. And, and it was blood. You know, it was just pissing out of blood. So they stopped the fight in the third round, you know. Oh. But up until that point, you, you were like, how was it going? It getting was... hammered. <laughs> 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 just stood there taking it, you know. I, I didn't get dropped or anything, but yeah, I, I, I had no technique. I'd never been in a ring. It <sighs> was the first fight and it was a state title, you know. Wow. Incredible. I was stupid. It should be illegal to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I don't think you'd better do it now. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so I had no fights and, uh, yeah, lost that one. <laughs> but the, the weirdest thing was, and I had that much anxiety and I shouldn't have done it. The following year, they'd done the same fucking thing. <laughs> this time... You're still recovering. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even had the stitches out of my eye. <laughs> still got the headgear on. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't get it off. <laughs> the swelling was too much. You got the headgear already. Well, you know. <laughs> and then the following year, I think it was 96, they were having this, the Commonwealth trials and all that and the, a couple of professional fights ahead, ahead of the state titles. Is that is it the Atcos Centre in Morfittville? It's like a ball ring. You sort of walk down, and uh, there was a thousand people there. And this is only my second fight. Still hadn't done any sparring for the whole year. No one spoke to me. Nobody spoke to me twice. You, fat fuck, you want to fight? Yeah, shit, I'm part of the club. Oh my god! You know, and at this stage, you know, I'm drinking. I'm, I'm Cobra Kai. You know, at this stage, I'm drinking twenty coffees a, a day. 20 cones. Yeah. Not fucking doing nothing. Just, <laughs> just fucking hitting a bag hard. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I've gone to the Atco Centre and there's a thousand people there. Yeah. And, the, and the doctor comes in to take your heart rate before the box. He says, you, You're not fighting. Your heart's going. Boom, 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 boom. I said, nah. So I had to calm down for like half hour and then they let me in the ring. And uh, wow. yeah, I jumped around for three rounds, done fuck all but one. <laughs> so I did get a state title. There you go. <laughs> and that was the end of my career. That was it? Yeah. Well, I, I needed two, a, two fights? Yeah, I needed shoulder reconstruction. Oh, you can't I, go I, higher than that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's I the know. pinnacle. It's, so basically, so I, I had one leg. So you, and your victory speech is, thank you very much, I'm retired. I didn't even get one. <laughs> oh, they, you didn't get one. They didn't even get me one. Oh. They dropped the microphone uh, back. It was just a quick wave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you to readdress that a little bit later if you do have a if you did have a victory speech you prepared and you want to share that with us because I, I, this would be the forum to uh, share it with everyone. Do you know what? Even to this day, I don't know why I went in there. Uh, do, do, Somebody's phone going. Uh, That's no, mine. Don't worry about it. Okay. Do, so do you remember? Do you remember? So essentially, you, you've been called out. Do, do you want to have a? Did you have much preparation? Nothing. Do, do, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I only had one arm, my, sh- my shoulder kept fucking falling out. I was smoking 20 cigarettes a day, 20 coffees and 20 canes. That was my fucking diet. So this is the, the, this is the preparation of champions, obviously. So <laughs> This is how you become a champion. I'm wondering if you need a website and an e-book for this. I reckon if more people found out it was that easy, oh, they'd, they'd be right on it. <laughs> Doing it all wrong. The Australian Institute of Sport, yeah. they can get fucked. They they're don't right, know they're writing notes down at the moment. Yeah, 20 cigarettes. How uh, many cones was that? Yeah. Uh, was it 10 or 20? <laughs> Could have been 20. Right, well, let's go for 30. Ice cream cone. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at Mike Tyson. What does he own? Oh, yeah, A marijuana yeah. farm? That's right. Yeah. He does. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how all that culture just turned on its head in the matter of yeah. the last few years, oh, largely yeah. because of Mike Tyson's involvement. But oh, and, you know, and, and Olivia Diaz. and John and all that sort of stuff. You know? Yeah, Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, she owns a farm. Really? 
really? Yeah, daughter. Her, her, her daughter and ex-husband own a farm in America, wow. in California somewhere, because she runs the uh, the cancer association over in Melbourne. Oh, you know, they right. named the big cancer thing over. So medical you know, marijuana yeah, stuff. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah, right. So, yeah, so, and Mike Tyson's got a farm as well. Yeah. He's yeah. always stoned. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, um, yeah. And, <laughs> and look how well he looks. Yeah, he, he looks great. Yeah. Well, he's about to fight again. And, yeah. And he's a multi-millionaire. Oh, yeah. And look mm. at me, I'm a fucking Alzo. <laughs> well, I, I think you're 15, on the planet. I've got 15 bucks in my pocket, and that's my life. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, I can still laugh. <laughs> well, you, well, you're a former state champion. And, and oh, that's not, you know, fucking, wasn't that good, you know. <laughs> but it, it, it's interesting, like, you, you, you've turned up, and, and a lot can be said for turning up, because you, you turned up and, and you... You look like a heavyweight champion, you, and and you, I think you also underplayed it. You, you, the the fat fuckery. Uh, you you were a hundred or so kilos, and you looked amazing. You're you're in you're. Now you when I like fought, a specimen. I, I fought as a heavyweight, so I was ninety. I was ninety point one. Oh, something. did you come down that yeah, way? Yeah, I, I, I had to lose ten kilos. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just yeah. recalling, you know, from that that period. Yeah, that you, you looked amazing. You looked you're in great yeah. shape, um, and. Um, uh, and and so you you look like a heavyweight champion essentially. I mean, just couldn't fucking box. Just like it, you know. <laughs> it's only had one arm that worked and, <laughs> and, and one leg. One one leg. <laughs> shit back. And, and do you look back at that and think think what what are the chances of that set of circumstances having ever played out? You know, look, you, you hear of people that work for years and years and years, and they grinded out to have the opportunity to fight for the belt, and you, you just happen to be there at the right time and and turned up. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a couple of, you know, sort of... Warm-ups? Or spas or something. Spas. You know? <laughs> wow. Just a practice. <laughs> 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 wow. Shit, what am I doing in here? Why are, the, why, why are these thousand people booing me? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's also interesting that you came to it relatively late because Greg oh, Hearn yeah. has been on our podcast yeah. um, previously. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think he, he was nearly 30 when he, or, yeah. or just turned 30 when he'd had his first bout. And, and you were similarly... I was uh, 34, 35 when I took up boxing. Yeah, wow. which and is... Yeah, I, was, I could only do it for a couple of years because the amateur rules, you've got to, you've got to retire at the end of 35 before oh, really? 36, yeah. Is yeah. that still the case? Yeah. All oh, right. So I, I don't know. So I think I, yeah, I took it up about 34, 35. Yeah. But, but the only reason I took it up is because my mate was Don McKay, you know, who, who was a former, you know, he fought for the Australian Super Heavyweight title. Yeah. It's Jimmy Thunder, and he and he runs Northside Boxing, so he'd always say, "Come on, come on, come in, come on, let's go and have twenty cones, let's go and do some sparring." You know, <laughs> as you do. Yeah. Wow. So that's how I fell into it. Yeah. He still runs the club, you know. And did you ever have any other interests in any other uh, martial arts or? Oh yeah, I done jujitsu for a year, but that was about it. Yeah. But back then, but that, that was about it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, nah, just watched Bruce Lee movies. Grew up. Yeah, some Bruce Lee movies in the seventies. Yeah, that's enough qualification for most. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. apparently, it is. Have you watched a Bruce Lee movie? Yes. Oh, you're in. No. You're, you're in. Heavyweight title. Heavy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look the part. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, so, in looking back, look, it, it certainly sounds like you, you've you've um, reconciled that. You know, if you'd had given uh, had been provided with a, a level of support that. I guess you, you would expect to receive in this day and age when you were younger and some of those opportunities had fleshed out that uh, perhaps there would have been a, a, a football career in there for you at uh, at some stages. certainly sounded like you had the talent. Mate, but it, I would have been a fucking superstar. Yeah. Fucking hell. I would have been a cross between Warwick Capper and Mark Jackson. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 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 it's just what football needed in the 1980s as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a, just a year I grew, I grew up. Yeah, it just never happened. So wouldn't it, like say that sort of behaviour was being demonstrated these days by the parents that they would 
that you would instantly be removed from that situation or, oh, yeah, or you know it's yeah, just yeah, yeah it was a different yeah, time yeah. back then well, wasn't I'm, it? I mean I'm going to school in the 60s and 70s and I can't read and write and yeah. I, I keep thinking fucking why you know and the mm. harder I tried the worse it got mm. so the teacher always used to throw me out of the class so I'd have to go down to the principal's, and this is when you, you used to get caned. Mm. Oh. So I'd be going to the principal's office getting caned, yeah, going back in the class, you know, sort of you, you're crying because you're only seven and eight, you're getting yeah. corporal punished mm. on a daily basis. Wow. And you go back to the class and every fucker's laughing at you. Yeah. I had an older brother who had five of his mates who were bullies and used to beat me up on the way home. Right. So I was copping it at school, I was copping the bullies, and then when I got home I copped it from the old man. Mm. So I didn't have fucking much of an upbringing, and, that, and and that's why I've got this aggressive, angry look about me to this day. It yeah. was just beaten into me, you know. Yeah. And that's how brutal it was, and you had no one to turn to. No, that's mm. right. No support. Yeah, you know, we're way. talking about the sixties and seventies with the black and white fucking TV. Mm. It's not like it is today. Mm. You know, it's tough. Man. It's hard to hear it. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you know, hey, that's why you turn. That's why I was turning to drugs at ten. If you actually listen to yeah. me, you know, why mm. was I doing drugs at ten? Because yeah. fucking no one wanted me. Mm. I ended up living in a tent out the back of the house. Yeah. You know? And then when I was there, I think when I was 20, I ended up running over and killing someone. And uh, he sort of died in my arms. And uh, and uh, when the summons came for that to go to court, the old man just screwed that up and threw it at my head. And that was about it. And the only th- I think the only thing they did to support me was pack a suitcase. They didn't think I was coming home. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. But the problem was I did. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so you know. And you, you have flashbacks to that as well, you know, and, and then having my fiancé die next to me as well, you know, and then just being, not being able to read and write. Mm. I mean, when I went and got diagnosed in 2017, the lady who ran the clinic said, you know, how have you survived? Mm. And to this day, I don't fucking know. There's something inside you that just drives you, drives you, drives you. And I've only had myself all my life. There was only a four-year period when I was with my fiancé that I actually felt loved and wanted. Mm. And then she died on me. And uh, since then, I've never lived with another adult. My son ran away when he was 16, so, you know, I've lived by myself the last 15 years because that's how I grew up, mm. with no one around me. I just grew up in a wardrobe. Mm. No birthday parties, no friends, no nothing. So I've carried that on with my life. Mm. So now I'm, a, I'm basically I'm a recluse. Mm. I mean, to come out here today took a lot. Mm. Yeah. Because Matty's been at me for a few months. Come out, <laughs> you know, come out and tell us a few of the stories. I've had to keep the, the harshest stories away. But, but you know, it was, it, was, it was a brutal life. I mean, you know, listen to Jimmy Barnes whinge and moan the fucking pommy bastard, you know. He just fucking, you know, it's... It, it. Hey, everyone had it hard. Yeah. But he still had five sisters and a brother. Yeah. He had something. He could sing. He could write. Mm. I can't do fuck all. I'm, I'm good at nothing. Mm. Absolutely nothing. So how am I going to get out of the ghetto? That's why I'm fucking still there now. Yeah. The only thing I've got that I can control is the weights. Mm. My weight trainer makes me feel good about myself and my body image, you know. But how can I get a job? He's going to hire a 60-year-old dumb fucker. Mm. You know, and I've just had just shit jobs all my life, you know, minimal jobs, and that puts depression on you because you want to go higher, but you know you're never going to get any higher. Mm. So all the people that you went to school with have got all these good jobs, houses, cars, and all that. I've got nothing. Mm. I live in a housing commission house. I've got 15 bucks in my pocket in a shit car. Mm. But something keeps making me wake up every day because I've got hope that something's going to happen. Yeah. You know? And so it's funny because... As you're talking about the traumas and the challenges that have come along in your life, there seems to be like an underlying tenacity that that's somehow been instilled in you 
even more so as a result of all of that. Oh, yeah. Imagine having five bullies beat the fuck out of you every day, mate. That makes you... <laughs> yeah. But it gives you anxiety as well. I mean, yeah. back in the 60s and 70s, there was no, no such thing as phoning up of online shit or Uber and all that. You had to actually go to a fish and chip shop. So you can imagine every day the parents said, you, go to the fish and chip shop. And you can imagine the anxiety because those four or five bullies might be sitting there and they're yeah. three, four years older than me. So, you know, here I am going, fuck, am I going to get beaten up, you know? Yeah. Everywhere I went, there was anxiety. Mm. And then all the shit I had, I had so I've got long-term, you know, depression and all that. And then in, I, I nearly necked myself in there. Uh, I think, oh, I can't, can't remember what year it was. And uh, they booked me in to see a psychiatrist. You know what she said to me when I told her how, how I ran over that guy and all that shit? This is true. She said, because it happened so long ago, why don't you just forget it happened? <laughs> so that was the fucking help I've received. Huh. Wow. And, and she said, oh, you swear a bit. I said, well, what do you fucking think? You kept me waiting two, year, uh, two hours without a fucking, uh, without <laughs> even an, an apology or nothing. And then you're telling me to fucking forget about everything that's happened to me? Mm, yeah. yeah, you fucking idiot. And just walked out, you know. That was mm. the, that's the only help I've got. Mm. So, you know, so my brain's roached. It's tough, man. We we we. But the soul, the, uh, the soul still burns. Right. Oh yeah, I, 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 I this is why I like I, I really appreciate our friendship <laughs> because I know the difficulties that you faced, and it's always like an inspiration for me that somebody who's been through that much difficulty is still still kicking, still training, still wanting to do something, and oh. it's like that's why I keep telling you to come in here because it's like you know this this is something, and it's like. You know, you're one of those people that it's sort of like, you, you know, you can kick a dog for so long and they'll either roll over and die or they'll come back and bite you. Mm. Tim's going to bite, bite mm. you and he's going to bite you hard. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. And it's a special sort of person that will do that, will stand up to adversity. Um, and you can recognise it in people and it's like, I can see it. And, you know, when you speak and you're still training and you're, you're feeling good and, you know, you say you're 60, almost 61 years old and still, you know, in good shape and getting out there and doing stuff. And it's like, you know, as you said, other people that you've known from that era are dead or completely... Still, still doing drugs, doing fuck all. Exactly. Mm. Still hanging so, down the streets doing drugs. Yeah. I, I still see them now, yeah. That's right. We did uh, end up watching uh, a film together, um, which was very similar. It was called My Name is Lenny, um, which was a similar sort of story. It was like Lenny McLean in, in England. And uh, he had a similar sort of upbringing father that would, you know, um, <laughs> physically... Uh, beat the crap out of him basically <laughs> um and he had same sort of you know upbringing same sort of um issues that he dealt with uh and then sort of you know created a, a security company became a fighter became a boxer um and you know when we were watching the movie you're like my god this is me like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a bit yeah it was a bit uh, strange watching that movie because i could see similarities yeah absolutely peeps absolutely because you know, i used to be able to walk into a nightclub and fucking people used to just fucking walk away you're not talking to me and yeah you know, People wouldn't let their kids drive in the car with me and all that. It was a bit fucking crazy. Right. But I've just got one of those heads. I just look like Chopper Reed, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, people go, how come you're angry? It's, I just, I've just got, you know, like how women could have a rest and bitch face. I've just got a rest and bastard face. I just look mean, but I'm not. Right. Mm. You know, I've just got that angry look on my face, but I'm not angry. I've never, you know, I've never intentionally gone out and hurt anyone. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, um, Interesting, like when people, because I've known you for uh, you know years now, and uh, I can see people's reactions when, like, you know, if we're chatting or whatever, um, that they might uh, react a certain way based on you know the way that you are, and then it's like, but it's like, but he's an awesome guy. Like you just gotta, <laughs> like, if you give him a minute, like you'll find out he's he's yeah. 
you know, just like everybody else. There's no, but you know, he just will. You'll come across differently um, in certain ways. But you know, it, there's yeah. But, but people make a judgment within three seconds of you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I can walk down the street and people just cross over the street. And I just think, fuck, why? You know, and I've ha- I've had to cop that all my life. Yeah. Women come walking towards me, and all of a sudden you can see them putting the handbag over the other side. And I think, really? Mm. Women walk towards me, and they. Instantly bring out a mobile phone. I go, really? What's that? Is that going to fucking save you, you stupid woman? It doesn't do anything for my fucking uh, conscience yep. and my self-worth and all that because people just fucking cross over the street and don't want to know me. Yeah. And that's just walking down the street. Yeah. But it's just the size of me, you know. Mm. You're six foot two and 100 kilos covered in tats with a shaved head and half your teeth missing and look like Chopper Reed. <laughs> you know, I can understand why, but it's, it's not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Even to this day, people still cross over the road. Yeah? Yeah. Wow, you know, and and the reason why I'm a little bit surprised by it is because you you look essentially as you would see an older male model in oh, yeah. in a newspaper or in a magazine. Oh, for sure. You know, you, you're the archetype now. You've got the, the the tattoos. You've got the chiselled looks. You know, you, you, you're essentially you look like an Aussie Mickey Rourke almost. Like yeah. it's yeah. so it, it's it, it's strange to me that in this day and age, where people uh, because this seems to be like a little bit of a the theme of your life where things have just kind of fallen a little bit out of sync. Like in a different era, you wouldn't have uh, had to have been brought up in those same conditions and, and been put up and, and be put in those circumstances as you were and, and would have received more support so you could be a footballer. But also, you know, in, in, in 1986, or you, you wouldn't have been a 60-year-old man that was 100 kilos and looked like you. But, but today... You, you, it seems to me like you, you, it, time's caught up with you because now you're 60. As you were saying, you look at all of those guys that are out there that are 60 now and uh, and how are they looking? How are they? Uh, it's like the race is long and anybody who's 25 years old or, or 22 years old or 18 years old who's watching this who thinks their life is shit or that they've got low self-esteem or somebody's telling them messages or things about themselves that they you know, are starting to take on board that they actually don't think are actually themselves at all, but nonetheless they are. I think you're, you're a great inspiration for those people because the race is long and, and look at you now. Well, well, Dave, I mean, I'm a qualified youth worker, went to TAFE, managed to struggle through that and uh, mm-hmm. so I've done a lot With of... With dyslexia. Yep. So you've uh, overcome dyslexia. Yep. So yeah. I've done a lot of youth work, uh, community services. Uh, I, w- I was a duty manager at the Aboriginal Detox Centre Mm-hmm. I used to drive the MAP bus. I've worked in aged care centres. I used to go and do Edmund Rice camps for disadvantaged kids and all that sort of stuff. So, and do you, you know, think because of your own experiences that oh, you have sure, more yeah, empathy yeah, for I, those? Yeah, yeah, yeah I can help people, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, I'm throwing out that many resumes at the moment, but I don't get a job, you know, because yeah. people just take... My last four interviews have been panel interviews with their three people. <laughs> so, of course, when I walk in, two like me, one fucking eight. <laughs> <laughs> so this year I've managed to get four interviews, which is really good. Mm. I've got lots of qualification, you know, life experiences. I was a senior employment consultant dealing with people with mental drug and alcohol issues. Mm. I've grown up with that many criminals and all that sort of stuff. You know, I've got lots to give, but I just can't get a job at the moment. Mm. So that's why I'm battling. Mm. So if there's anyone out there that wants to offer me a good job. Yeah. Absolutely, and and especially in the, in those fields where you, you you've really put yourself in a position where you've got so much to share. I've got heaps of life experiences. Mm. I've got that resilience. You know, I can pick people up. I mean, that's why I was so good at as an employment consultant. I couldn't do the admin stuff, mm. but I could motivate people. I could listen. I knew what you wanted, and mm. they always said to me, "You get all." You know, I met all my KPIs every month because I because I actually got them jobs mm. that they wanted. 
because I actually treated them how I wanted to be treated, not like a fucking number by these middle-class fat fucks just sitting there with their pills that don't give a fuck about anyone. You know? Yeah. But I ended up giving a fuck about people and I burnt myself out, you know. Yeah. But it was the admin that got me. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine I'm supposed to be doing 12 psych reports a day and I can't fucking read, read and write, mate. <laughs> so I, I suffered from a thing called seizures there, you know, like uh, syndrome. Yeah, where you, I, I just uh, – no, imposter syndrome, but I just couldn't, you know – I was thinking like I, every, every day I was going to work noon and I couldn't do it. Right. I was stressing every day. Oh, yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. So, so, so you knew you could do the job, but when it came to... The admin and all, the, yeah, I couldn't yeah. do it, yeah. And it really stressed me out. So I really, I, I turned back into, into the hard drugs and I started drinking. Yeah. Ended up uh, getting a sex addiction and going through $50,000 on Asian prostitutes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> could have bought a fucking Monaro for that. <laughs> <laughs> if only you had a Monaro addiction instead, you know. Yeah. Wow. But uh, yeah, for anyone that is coming to you like and having an issue, you know, you've been there and done, done that it. at ten times worse. Yeah. Oh, and no, you know, yeah, yeah, I can help people and all that. I'd make a great. I mean, as I say, I'm a qualified youth worker, but I just can't get a job. Mm. I would make a great, great person. I mean, look at the Department of Child Protection and look, look what that's going on now because mm. they staff it full of fuckwits that don't know anything. I was a I I used to, I was a volunteer for the Department of Child Protection about two three years ago, and it's just it's fucking it's a shithole. You can see why the kids fucking commit suicide and all that shit. It's crap. Mm. They, I mean, the government has sold off every department. Why not sell off that? Mm. Mm. Kids are still getting fucking raped and fucking committing suicide. And, you know, they just throw them in commercial care and don't give a shit and get some fucking African paying ten twenty bucks and not trying for any mental health or anything or Indians or Pakistanis, you know, and, and let them look at, you know. They're not getting anyone like me. Mm. Mm. You know, I've lived, I've lived the life that they're going to live, you know. Mm. I could be there to support and do all that, but I can't get a job. Mm. The Department of Child Protection won't like me because I just don't fit the mould. Yeah. They take one look at me and they just think, oh, fuck, look at this guy. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, you know, I said to him, you're lucky I'm not a Catholic priest. Mm. But I used to say to people, because I, I used to take my son to school and, he, and they wouldn't invite me or my son anywhere, and I used to say to them, if you had to go and take your son to a life-saving club and you had one instructor was called Peter Liddy and you had the other instructor called Tim Jardine, who would you let your kid go with? Mm. And they'd look at me and I'd go, I'm glad I'm not your fucking son's ass." Mm. That's true. Just because I've got tats and all that, I've got a mean angry hand, doesn't mean I'm going to fucking hurt you. Yeah. But people do. Yeah. And that gives you an inferiority complex like everyone's crossing over the road and all that. And, you know, you think, fucking relax. Yeah, is it like uh, with the tattoos? Uh, did you get them all quite quickly, or was it that you got them in a in a in a way to sort of get that like feeling of I want this sort of certain appearance or the, as a protection? No. Or always like tattoos, always like the art. So I got tattoos when I was sixteen, seventeen. So I'm you know I'm talking about the middle seventies when uh, you know even even if a chick had a bluebird tattooed on her tit, she was a fucking slut mm. sleeping with a fucking bikey gang. So here I am at maybe 17, 18, covered in tats. So imagine, you know, you walk out to a footy club, no one's going to have it, you know. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. They, they looked at it differently then. Now it's cool to have tats. Yeah, I was going to say. Back, it's back, a, it's in, the, back in the now. 70s and 80s, as I said, you know. Now it's more unusual if you don't have to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. As I say, if, you know, if, a chit, if, if some chick had a, t- a tattoo on a tit, you think, oh, this chick kind of fucking, she's a slut. She'll be, you know, that's just the way people thought. Mm. If you had a tattoo, oh, he's been in jail and all that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. Even to this day, people say, you know. How many days have you been in the jail? I never have. Never mm. rested nothing. But it was an appreciation of the actual art itself yeah, that I, you are. I've always loved the art, yeah. yeah. And colours and all that. And, f- and I think it's the pain. Mm. You know, going there and just sitting there and, you know, it's that. Uh, 
you know, better than the old man swimming across the head. Yeah, you know. You know? Find the same with weight training. Yeah. Like that you get yeah. that bone, yeah. you're like, I'm... In, in, in a drive and all that, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can take out that frustration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I keep doing it. Yeah, oh yeah. And, I'm, and I'll probably die in a gym. Yeah. I love my gym. Yeah. You know, people say, geez, you know, how do you train at home? And you've trained at home for 15 years, four days a week for 15 years. Who motivates you? I fucking do. Mm. How do you get up every day? Because I do. And I'm so depressed. Yeah. In a rut, anxiety, fucking you name it. Can't, still can't read and write. <laughs> but at least I know why I can't. Yeah, that's, that's a good spot it, to start. And, and that was great. At least yeah. I know I'm not a dumb fuck. You know? Yeah. But the other day I bought a stereo and it had a little, it was only a little tiny stereo and it had a little plastic aerial thing that you put together. I couldn't even read the instructions to put it on to fix it. So it's just sitting oh, I was in Japanese. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish it was. Because I'd fucked enough Asian prostitutes. I might have fucking read the writing. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh but yeah, that, that pain that you were talking about, um, I think that is a big outlet for a lot of people in terms of if you are in frustration. Like, I know th- times that I've had my best workouts is when I've had, you know, a shitty day or something that's pissed me off, or I'm thinking of somebody that I absolutely hate their guts. And it's like you go in and you can lift 10 times more than what you could before, <laughs> you know. And it's like I still use that motivation now as to, you know, moments that happened 20 years ago. And it's like that is a fuel for me when I'm, tr- when I need um, energy. And it's like, no, you, that will pop up and it's like, right, and that fire just explodes and the strength just goes through the roof in terms of taking out that frustration. So you can see why it's like such a, uh, a valuable tool, um, you know, for somebody that, you know, it's why you, why you do it because it's like you, when you're in the gym, it's you and the weight and it's like, I'm going to lift this. I don't give a shit if it's going to be heavy. I'm lifting it. I'm going to push myself to the absolute limit until I can't move anymore. Uh, and it's like you have that control. Like you were saying you're controlling the weight. It's pushing against you. It is the it is the force that you are trying to beat, and you can beat it. Beat it. Beat it. Beat it. Twenty times. Twenty two. Twenty. And then it it overcomes you, and it gets the victory. But you beat it twenty times. You know, mm. uh, and then you get to do it again and again and again. And it's like by the end of that workout, you've got that adrenaline going. You've got that endorphin rush, and you have achieved something. Like and you get stronger from it. Um, and the next time you go into the gym, you know, you might be a little bit stronger and it's like, well, I'm overcoming that, that, that hundred kilos is now nothing to me, you know, that you are nothing that hundred kilos, you know, like whatever it is that you, because it's like by doing that, by overcoming those weights, it's like you are achieving something against something that is pushing against you. So, mm. yeah. And, uh, as we all know, don't we, Dave, that weights isn't a science. It's a repetitive <laughs> fucking animal sport. Yep. I mean, all these little wankers these days that go and do all these courses and all that and bring out all that, I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not fucking hard to go and do a bench press yeah. in, in your footy shorts and your Adidas Romes and a fucking tr- blue trucky vest. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not fucking yeah. hard. Yeah. You know, I, that's why I got out of the gym. Every, every every time I told someone how I train all that, oh, that you don't, can't do that. You know, you should do that. You should do that. You know, you can't do that. Well, those, those fuckers now are fucking... Fat and ugly and bold, mate. Yeah, because you know, yeah. they didn't know anything. It's repetitive. Mm. You've got to go in there every day and repetitive, and always write down what you do. You know, because I've got you know, you log it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I've got a, a weight booked? sheet that, that I know how many weights I do because I do everything repetitively. You know, so you know how, how. So I'm only doing a maintenance program at the moment, so I know exactly how heavy I go. Yeah, but I've increased a couple of little tiny weights since I've sort of changed my routine a bit. But I've done exactly the same routine 
since I've started, since 86. Wow. And everyone goes, oh, you can't do that. You've, you've got, got to change, change it down. Up. Yeah, you've got to shave down. Oh, yeah. fuck off, you little gay fuck. <laughs> I know that's not politically correct, but I'm not a politically correct person because I come from the northern suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> so if you get offended, turn off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. Weightlifting <laughs> and bodybuilding ain't fucking hard. It's not rocket science, is it's it? It's not rocket science. Mm, lift something heavy and yeah. do it repetitively. And, and you know what? One thing, guys, is I've never taken steroids. My, my strength comes, as Matthew says, from inner. It's the inner drive. Drugs are never going to do it for you. No. Never. That's right. You've, and you, you've got to have that want from inside you. You've got to have the drive. You know, taking steroids, I mean, that's only a short-term game. Yeah. You look good, but you'll feel shit. Yeah. you lose your fucking hair and you, you'll get fucking stretch marks and your nuts will go small. <laughs> they probably already are because that's why you're taking steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't got a thing about steroids. Not at all. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Yeah, well, hey. But, but, but do you think that's why you've got longevity now? Yeah, so do you I, think yeah, that's why you're yeah. still training now? Hey, look, Dave, when we were in the same gym together 30 odd years ago, yep. you, you're seeing these guys, they come in, they take one look at you, and they want to be like you. But hey, I've been in the gym for 10 years, but they want these instant results. Yep. All these young kids want instant results. Yep. So they go, oh, yeah, you know, all the stuff, Everyone, everyone's doing it. Well, they're not. You know, but they just want to be one of the crowd. Yeah, yeah. they're not willing to put in the time and effort. Yeah, and, it, and steroids are just water retention. It's just fluid. Mm. Steroids fucks you up because yeah. you, you, your body's not designed to lift enormous amounts of weights. All the time. On, yeah, on a repetitive basis. Well, Kai Green just had a heart attack like, uh, like last week, for instance. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Sean Roden died. Yeah, another one, yeah. Oh, get yeah. out. I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah. Incredible. Yesterday. Or heart attack. The day before your heart attack. 46. Oh. Was Mr. Olympia two years ago, three years ago? to three years ago or something? Yeah, wow. Mr. Olympia, and then three years later, dead of a heart attack. Because let me tell you out there, guys, steroids don't do fuck all for your heart. No, oh, well, that's right. <laughs> I mean, you think about the science behind it. You've got your heart, which is designed to grow with the size of your body, and then it's like you triple the muscle mass <laughs> unnaturally, and then you're going and doing incredibly hard workouts. So your heart's just working overtime. Oh, exactly. So so for those people, because there are people that, that draw equivalency between drug use and steroid use, so you're, you're very clearly uh, on the of the view that there, there is a delineation there. The, the drug use has been... There's different types of drugs for different things. Um, there's those drugs that you use to, to abuse yourself, to suppress depression, which ultimately is just a bit of self-abuse that's going on there. Then you've got some more that's medicinal, and then you've got this stuff over here, which is you know an absolute no-no for you. That's where you draw the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never wanted to take steroids because I was always an angry fuck in the first place, and I'm thinking, fuck, I'll end up killing someone. Well, you're always being <laughs> strong as well. <laughs> yeah, like, no, so exactly, yeah. Because yeah. I, I always had the inner drive, yeah. so I don't need steroids. Yeah. I mean, it's like because I've got OCD and uh, HDH, I mean, I'm really hypey. Yeah. So, you know, I'm one of those guys that if you go, you know, speed and all that too, it doesn't does fuck all because I'm, re- I'm a really hypey. You're already there. Got a lot of energy, you know. Yeah. yeah. And do you think you've got energy because of the weight training, because yeah. you kept yeah. physical all these yeah. years? Yeah, of course, yeah. 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 And motivated. Now, you're also quite the Renaissance man, so um, people might uh, see you on occasions uh, walking around with a didgeridoo on your back, for instance. So, I mean, because you, you did kind of, uh, you did kind of come in and and you, you know you downplay yourself a lot. Okay, so when you've come in here, you said, <laughs> "I'm a, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a drug addict. I'm from the northern suburbs. I'm bloody I'm, uh, this and that. I'm, I'm, I'm shit. I've got two second, two, two, 
two dollars to my name, blah, blah, blah. but the reality is fifteen. Fifteen, 15 <laughs> sorry, fifteen dollars, and that's true. <laughs> and, and and so, but, but then we look, look, and, and like people, the way the way that people are judged success in life is is uh, is obviously different. It's, it's hugely subjective. But the way you've chosen to draw uh, success in life, I think there's a lot of people that are look at, look at you and say, "Fuck, I want to look like that when I'm sixty, you know, when or nearly sixty-one." Um, I want to. I want to. Like the race is long. Like, look at this guy. He, he's gone through. And and so many people. We had a, a young lady in here just a, a little bit earlier in the week. You know, the people experience tremendous trauma and adversity in their lives. And and uh, but uh, the results don't always end the same. You know. And and from your end, you've been able to overcome a, a more than what anybody should ever be expected to. Um, at, but at the same time. Uh, demonstrate to the rest of the world that you know if you somehow find a way to tough it out, if you somehow latch on to something that's good for you, whether that's weight weight training, we've lost Tito, uh, <laughs> whether that's uh, weight training um, or or boxing or just, just having some novelty in your life so that you can you've got something to look forward to to the next day. That's often that's the uh, that can be that can just be that thing that gets you through, that and then it. you might end up looking like you do at 60, nearly 61 years of age, um, which is tremendous. Now, but, but other things, so you, you've somehow gotten through uh, and, and achieved academically, you've gone on to get more qualifications, even though you can't read and write, you, you're suffering from dyslexia, you, you're obviously suffering through life to that point because no one's told you this and so you're just assuming, hey, this is me and I'm, I can't read, I can't write and... Um, at the same time, somehow you've managed to work out how to play the most complicated and difficult instrument known to mankind. <laughs> how to play um, the didgeridoo? So how, how did that? How did that start? Well, here we go again. Well, uh, I've always is there more drug use involved in this? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been interested in the Aboriginal culture, and I uh, sort of believe in past lives and reincarnation and. Uh, as you say, Dave, I've done a lot in my life. I can't go over the whole fucking things I've done. <laughs> but uh, I became a uh, spiritual healer, went to a spiritualist church, mm-hmm. could never be a clairvoyant, and I ended up going to the spiritualist church for about three years, and this is in the late 90s yeah. when everyone thought you were a fucking fruit bat. Yeah. So I sat in all the development circles, and even the church when I went there were a bit fucking scared of me, you know, because <laughs> I wanted to be a, a clairvoyant. They go, fuck, mate, you sure? <laughs> I think that's next door, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I was never good as a fucking clairvoyant, but I was really good as a spiritual healer. So I, uh, and, and, and for those that might not understand the difference, so clairvoyant, somebody who conjures the spirit yeah, from beyond. And spiritual healing is a bit like Reiki and all that, where you do hands on healing and all that. Right. And, yeah. and how did you find that you, you were adept to. to to do that, yeah. I just buy in. Uh, to the, I sat in the development circles for three years. I sat in the meditation circle, the spiritual healing circle, and the uh, the clairvoyant circle. And I sat in those every week for three years because hmm. I I needed something. This is when I was, you know, this is just after my wife died, or my fiance died, and uh, so and, and I gave up boxing. So I gave up boxing and joined the spiritualist church. Yeah, and I was to try and find answers. Yeah, I, and and I'll tell you a story. All the guys, I used to go every Wednesday and would go to the old spot and have a beer. And uh, all the go- you know, and all the guys said, "Mate, you've given up boxing, and you've gone to a spiritualist church. You're a fucking poofter." <laughs> I said, "Hey, listen here, guys. I said, there's ten of us that sit here at the bar every Wednesday. 
I said, I'm going to a church with 40 women. I said, who's fucking gay? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so we're well, yeah. said, you. <laughs> All right, so, so we, we, we see the underlying motivation <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, hey, there was a lot of vulnerable women there. <laughs> <laughs> Not after you got there. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up the healing myself as well. So, I mean, I've still got a healing sanctuary at home, but I don't do it anymore. And uh, so I, be- I became very spiritual and it saved me, you know, uh, yeah, and uh, I re- and I really loved helping people. See, I've got this thing that I want to help people, whereas I never received their help, but I always love helping people. And that's why I became a youth worker and employment consultant, and I love helping people. Mm. But but it's funny because when people look at me, they fucking shit scared of me. But yet I'd rather help you than fucking fight you. Yeah, I wouldn't have fifteen dollars, would you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd rather be your friend than fight you. But, but people don't see that. No, you know. And then just before that, because I've uh, I've missed a beat, getting back to the didgeridoo stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, hey, how many pianos have you seen at fucking cash converters, Dave? Yeah. Fucking not too many. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that, didgeridoo. And you don't need to read and write, you just need to fucking blow. <laughs> you don't have the sheep music, nothing. No, nothing, you just, you just got fucking, a mouth, you're okay. Yeah, you just fucking make it up as you go. <laughs> But anyway, I became really good at it. Yeah, and this is before YouTube, before you could just <laughs> oh, jump online and yeah. work it out. So how did you work it out, did you? I had, I, I, had a, I went and had a couple of lessons of a yeah, didgeridoo master called Alastair Black. Right. And I went and had three half-hour lessons, and after the third one he looked at me and he goes, Tim, you sure you don't want to take up the electric guitar, mate? Because uh, <laughs> the didgeridoo ain't going to let you fucking play, mate. You're too aggressive. You've got to be at peace with yourself. And, and that's why I think I went to the ah. spiritual church and calmed down. Right. And then uh, I, I ended up going to my son's school and I played and, all, and and that's how it started. Every class heard me and invited me and then I started going to all the kindergartens. Mm. And then I bumped into Gavin Wanganeen's dad, Edmund, and uh, we started doing Dreamtime stories. And oh. I, I travelled all through South Australia to every school doing the Dreamtime story with him. And uh, and after that, and I'd done Real Life of Cancer. I played at the Festival Theatre. I used to busk in Rundle Mall. I played, I played in caves up at uh, Moriata Falls. You know, and it's all self-taught. Incredible. And I, I can get up in front of, you know, a thousand people and just play it. And uh, I sort of venture down to the local creek at Pittman Park and play it for the Aboriginals down there and they love it. Yeah. You know, as the goons come flying over. Yeah, no, but hey. What the... That's true. If, you, if somebody was trying to learn how to play it, you have any tips at all in terms of technique and skill? Relax. Just don't force it. It's not a trumpet. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's breathing. And you've got to be able to go, breathe in your nose and blow out at the same time. Yeah. So it's... Circular <laughs> breathing. Yeah. So breathe up your nose and blow out your mouth at the same time. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> so you've actually got to train your brain to do something unnatural. And I was just really, really good at it. I huh. just... Uh, it's the only thing I was fucking good at. But but who, who's going to hire a white pom to play the ditch? Every time I went to a school, they were expecting some big fat Neville to rock up. <laughs> hey, who are you? Are you coming to rob us? No, I'm to play the ditch. They were expecting an Aboriginal. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Not some choppery looking dude. So you, you've said they, that they all just ran the cars. You said that a few times. Uh, oh, that's the only thing I was good at. But then you were the state boxing champion. Uh, oh, you, no, I did. You played yeah. the didgeridoo. Spiritual uh, healer. Spiritual healer. Youth worker. 100 goals. Yeah. Um, set set association records. It, it, it sounds all, like apart you've from act- all of that. To me, it sounds <laughs> like you've actually got a life of achievement that's wrapped up in a really bad story. Yeah, I have. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's just, it just my upbringing. 
Mm. And and a lot of people in Elizabeth suffered that in the 60s and 70s. Because you've got to remember what, what, what my parents went through. And I haven't seen or spoke to them in over 30 years. Right. And they're still alive. I wouldn't, uh, Dave, are you listening? I haven't seen or spoken to them in 30 years, mate. Wouldn't have, have a no fucking idea. clue. Haven't got nothing. Never, they've never tried to re- nothing. Not in 30 years. I've got one brother. I've seen him twice in, I think, 48 years. Jeez. He was the one who beat me up and tried killing me. So I've been alone. I've got no relatives, no friends, no nothing. Mm. Even to this day, I'm yeah. a loner, and that's how I was raised in a wardrobe. Yeah, and it's sort of that's how my life's sort of gone. And I don't like you know, I don't know how to when people give me something, I don't I, I don't know how to accept it because mm. no one ever fucking bought me anything. Mm. I mean, one day I was grounded, so I said to my brother, "Hey, go to the shops and get this record." He brought the wrong one back, and I said, that, "And I said, yeah." So I spat the chewy at him, and my old man just came and fucking beat me up and fucking smashed the record, and that's this. That's the type of shit I had, you know. Mm. And you could never speak to him. It was always when you got home, don't spoke to your father who's reading the papers. Well, mm. that, they were different times back then, mm. you know. And you don't know what he went through. I mean, they're probably in their 90s now. Yeah. And he came from Scotland. He was in, I mean, he was a Queen's Guard at Edinburgh Castle in the 50s and 60s. So I don't know how vicious and, and, up, and what upbringing he was. Yeah. I wouldn't even have a fucking clue what nationality my mother was. I haven't got a clue. Yeah. It I just never spoke. Never, no, I don't never even know really. if I've got a fucking spleen or not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just didn't give a fuck. But, but it, it was like Jimmy Barnes, how he harks on. But mm. he, he had five sisters and a brother to look after. I had mm. fucking no one. Mm. And that's it. I had, I've never had no one to look after me but myself. And that's why I've got that drive. Mm. No one's going to do it for me. You know? And I've never had any help. Yeah. You know, Manny's been one of my best mates. For, and he's only one of the friends I've ever had that, that I've kept. Yeah. And that's probably because he lives fucking 50 kilometres away. But anyway, that, that's another story. <laughs> He's doing that liberally. You know, yeah, know. Too. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even want to live down south. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of his family live in Salisbury. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I haven't got any friends bar Maddie. Yeah. And yeah. that's true. That's incredible. But yeah, I know a million and one people. Yeah. I know thousands of people, but, but I can't make that connection. You know, I, and I don't know why. Yeah. To the start, I don't know. I think a lot of people just judge you wrong. Yeah, well, well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, they cross over, walk to the street. Yeah. They have this preconceived idea that because I look really mean and angry and the yeah. size of me that I am. Mm. Well, let me tell you, I'm not. Because let me tell you, every Catholic priest may look good, but they're fucking cunts. Mm. I may look like a cunt, but I'll tell you what, I'm a nice guy. Mm. See, that's the difference. Yeah. And you've got to learn to work through all that shit in your life. And I think that's why I went to a spiritualist church and all that, you know. Mm. But I've come, to, I've come to accept it all. Yeah. Everyone's going to judge me. And it's just proved this year when I've gone for these four, four job interviews. Mm. Never got one. Yeah. And I'm going for really good jobs, you know, in, in domestic violence and all that sort of stuff. Got lots of offer. I've worked in the Indigenous community, mm. the Aboriginal Sobriety Centre, so they sacked me mm. because they found out who I fucking ran over and killed because he happened to be an Aboriginal. Oh, really? So, you know, I was threatened with... To be killed and all that shit in the seven, you know, when I done it in the eighties and all that. So you know, hey. Mm. So it's not what you look like; it's how you act. Mm. I mean, look at all these politicians. Fuck, would you invite one of them around the house? Mm. You'd have to check your fucking silverware, wouldn't you? Hey, <laughs> all your drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it it, it the time and again, you know, when when people, uh, as you say, people perhaps make a, a superficial judgment. Um, oh, within three seconds, with, people make up their mind. Which, which, which they have to do, you know. For uh, survival. You know, it's, it's human nature. You know, you've got, got to work out, out, is this guy a danger or, or not, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and the way I look. Danger, danger. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because when you say that, like, I, 
And, uh, I, and I've lived it. Trust uh, me. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, like it's just in in this day and age, like I, I kind of feel like the world's kind of turned more towards you in terms of uh, your appearance, uh, how you look after yourself. Um, now it's you know it's not entirely unusual for guys in their forties and fifties to be looking after themselves and still be training hard and and doing that type of thing. But I mean, in their sixties, there's not many, and yeah. uh, and it's a bit of a rarity. But you know, you're, you're the stuff of Instagram posts. You oh. know, um, in this day and age, you know, it's uh, it's you know, I can almost see like you know you were you're maybe born into the wrong era, and then somehow like the the time caught up with you. You know, and and your achievements will be remembered differently as well, and um, and all that will be heard into the future will be you achieved all of those things in spite of the adversity and in spite of what had happened, and that those things aren't excuses, but they they are the basis for you know what you achieved, and 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 also the inspiration for a lot of people as they go through their life. Well, I mean, a lot of sixty-year-olds do train. They just don't train fucking hard. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still like to train hard, you know. Yeah. I still like to lift a – I don't bench 100 kilos, but uh, close to it. Yeah. And, 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 and incredible. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's what's in the future for you? So you're on a maintenance program for training. So yeah. we know training, we're just going to keep well, looking amazing moment, for the uh, next 20 uh, years. Okay. I'm announcing his boxing comeback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking for work at the moment, so that's my main priority. But, uh, you know. but uh, I've come to the realisations that I've, I've led this life for a reason, but the reason just hasn't come forth yet. Mm. People always say to me, mate, you should write a fucking book. Yeah. But I keep saying, there's no ending. Mm. Who wants to read a book about a fucking unknown house, eh? Yeah. Who? Well? No one. I mean, Jimmy's Barnes books are fucking nursery rhymes, you know? It's fucking full of shit. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had fucking five sisters wiping me fucking ass and a brother. Mm. I had fucking no one. Mm. But you can't take, you know, hey, his life is his life and mine's mine. But hey, everyone in Elizabeth, it was a great place to grow up, but it was brutal. Mm. And all the parents were pommies and they drank and all that sort of shit. So hey, everyone went through the same shit he did. Mm. Mm. He tries to make out he's a great guy, but I mean, fuck, he must have fucked 5,000 women whilst he was married. I mean, <laughs> he's got fucking 106 fucking stepkids, mate. I mean, fuck knows why she's still with him. But yeah, you know, they fucking play happy families. Fuck me, mate. You wouldn't want to fucking, that's the bit, bit dysfunctional to me. No, but hey, I may look at things a bit strangely, but uh, I mean, hey, fuck me, I don't know. But he makes money. So so will a book, will we ever see a book? Is that something that you've given thought well, to? I've got to make, well, I've got to become a success. Yeah. Well, it, I, I, I think the only, um, the only thing that's stopping um, your story being a success is uh, perhaps the way that you're looking at it because I think in any other metric, somebody would look at it and say, there's a lot within that story that I can oh, draw inspiration from and, and there's a lot of achievement. There's a lot of achievement. There's people that have lived their lives and never, 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 fought, never fought a fight, never, yeah. never brought themselves, always wanted to, never got themselves to the ring, never took themselves to the gym, never gave themselves the opportunity and then if given the opportunity, wouldn't have stepped inside the That's ring, right. would have come up with all the reasons not to and then would have got knocked down in the first 15 seconds exactly. and wouldn't have lasted it out for three rounds and certainly wouldn't have stuck up their hand the next year uh, <laughs> when, the, when the chance came <laughs> up again and, and, and would not have put themselves in a position where they could walk away with the belt. Um, the, 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 the courage that it takes to put yourself in those types of winning situations because the downside is so great and the upside is, is so the chance of success is so slim means that most people will never just go the next step. Yeah, and they wish they did by the time they get to your age. Yeah. 
And the thing is, as we talk, and I'm going through my life talking about the book, I'm, I kept, I'm remembering more shit that I've gone through, you know. Yeah. And let me just tell you one, one, one mental issue that I went through that was there, uh, and this is, I think this is why it's connected to the weightlifting, Dave. Mm-hmm. I was just, uh, I was bulimic and, and uh, you know, anorexic. Really? Yeah. At what age? Oh, I was going then, um, I reckon uh, we're talking about 81, 82. So I was, I was about 21, 22. And I reckon uh, just after I ran over and killed that dude, it, it sort of triggered it. And uh, and I split up. And uh, I tell you, when I found out I had anorexic, I found out in the early 80s. And how I found out, they said Karen Carpenter had it and she mm. just died. Yeah. And they said it's a woman's disease. I went, fuck! Really? <laughs> Shit, I've got a woman's disease. Fuck. <laughs> Not only have I got this, it's a woman's disease. And I'm like, no, shit. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and Pete, there's these little young girlies that go out and write these books that they've just had to let uh, anorexic and blue me. Fuck, I lived it nearly 40 fucking years ago. And I'm a male. Mm. And I think that's what... And and uh, I collapsed a couple of times. I, uh, I went to Sydney to live with a couple of guys in here and I uh, I was staying in a flat. I was doing a bit of roadie work and all that for these guys and I was staying in a flat at Palm Beach where they film Home and Away mm. and, and we're talking 82, 83 here mm-hmm. and I was at in rows and I wasn't doing anything. I was just spewing up all the food and everything and I ended up collapsing in this guy's flat. Just had a had an epileptic fit or whatever and to this day I still don't know anything that happened. Wow. A couple of days later, I went back to my mate's flat and uh, caught a bus coach back home. And uh, to this day, I fucking haven't got a clue what happened there. So, and, and that's how I fucked up my knee. I lost that much weight. So I've got a couple of grainy photographs of me and I weigh probably 30, 40 kilos. I'm skeletal. Incredible. So I've had to battle the, uh, the anorexic and the blue mima as well, you know. So where you gorge, you just eat and eat and then you just vomit and vomit. But mm. the thing is, all the, all the acid in your mouth and your stomach and all that shit fucking ro- roaches your teeth. Yeah. So, so I've gone through anorexic as well. So there you go. I could just write a story just on that one, yeah. being a sixty-year-old male. So yeah, even us old people went through these new little trendy fucking anorexic bloomies. I had it, and who was I going to turn to? Karen yeah. Carpenter? Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, I'm keeping this is quiet. Fuck! He's got a, I've got a Gill's disease. Fuck! How, how did you get? How did you get over? Or? Well, I still battle it to this day, and and that's why you guys think I look good. Well, I because I, I, it, 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 I think it's a control thing. Right. Mm. You know, I, I can control how I look and all that. Mm. You know, but it really got into me. I could go to the fish and chip shop, buy a chicken, sit in the car, eat the whole thing, spew it up, and go back and buy another chicken. Yeah. And I kept on doing that and repeating it and repeating it. I was fucking vomiting. As I say, it was it got that bad. I collapsed twice. Once on the sink and I split my lip open. And there's blood everywhere. And once when I collapsed, it collapsed in that flat in that Palm Beach. Wow. Where they filmed home in a way. Incredible, fucking, and that's just another story that I that I remember. So I battled that by myself, but I've always had body image. You know, you know, I've always wanted to look good and all that. But I don't know what caused that. I, you know, I think running over and killing that dude did. It did that trigger it? I, I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, and then and and that's when I, I lost all that weight and I still play footy and I snapped my knee. So uh, you know, right? Because I say. So, so you, you'd had atrophy, your muscles had atrophied and, oh, and, and your knee was weak and yeah, you just exactly. put pressure on it. just buckled, yeah, six foot, yeah, just bend it, yeah. Mm. So I had, so I had the, triple carbon fi- the, the triple carbon fibre ligament implant. Mm. They, they use a Lars now, but I had a triple carbon fibre ligament. Never, no one's ever seen it before. I think they only performed four, eight or maybe eight of the operations huh. before they realised it was fucking useless. I think Barry oh. Robin had it. 
didn't the and Mark Micken. surgeon oh. that you had because you got uh, a new a new knee yeah. recon recently or the last couple of years and I've got it all fixed up. Yeah, but then the when <laughs> when he looked at the the carbon fiber and he was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, they didn't even know. Yeah, they were looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> Experimental technology. It was. Yeah. 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 And uh, this day and age, you have an ear reconstruction, you're up, you're up and running the next day. They had me in a plaster. Oh, God. For two months. So you can imagine when they've cut that plaster off. Mm, mm, yeah. The carbon fibre set like fucking concrete in my knee. Yeah. You haven't moved it. No. And you've been in a plaster for two months. Yeah. Fucking it, I do that now. No. I should sue these fucking cunts, but it's probably been 40 fucking years. If I ever saw that surgeon, I'd kill you, you cunt. <laughs> See, I've still got, I'm still angry. Yeah. Be- because I went from being a great football player to a fucking, to a fucking cripple that could only limp. Yeah. I always limped yeah. after that. And it crucified me. I think that's why I turned really heavily into the drugs, you know? So, well, you, so the one well, thing I, I could at that <coughs> point, that, that was that one thing that yeah. you'd been really good yeah. at. Good at the one thing I could identify myself, yeah. And yeah, all of a sudden I'm a cripple. Yeah. Can't even run. To this day, I can't run. And 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 then from there, it's a, 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 that's a, shortly thereafter. So you, you head into your. Uh, you, do you think the uh, the drugs and the like was very much because of a depression brought on by that? Oh, I made it. That no, I was doing drugs at ten. So you were doing uh, drugs already, <laughs> and things things just got worse. Just got after escalated, that yeah, because you didn't have anything else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was I, no, no distraction from uh, the drugs then. Yeah, yeah. I think the the drugs probably escalated after ninety three when my fiance died. Yeah, you know, and left me with a two and a half year old. Mm. Fuck, you're leaving a mental retard with a two and a half year old, <laughs> mate. Fuck, you know. So I just went on the single parents pension for I didn't I didn't do anything for fourteen years, but just fucking drink twenty coffees a day, smoke twenty cigarettes, and smoke twenty cones, and uh, yeah. you know and that was it. that was my lifestyle. Yeah, were you training then? Yeah, yeah. I was doing weights. Yeah. yeah, and the boxing. That was the only sort of. Positive sort of like thing that you. Oh, had well, I've always done the weights. It's, it's, it's always given me something to do. Yeah, yeah. it's always made me feel good. Mm. If I don't feel, you know, if I if I don't do the weights, I feel shit. You know, legs sore, back sore, hips sore. See, everything's sore, but you've got to push yourself through everything. Mm. I mean, society these days, everyone's too fucking soft. Mm. Mate, no one would fucking live the life I led. No, and that's what keeps me going to this day at sixty. I've still got the drive of a twenty-year-old. Yeah. The dick of a hundred-year-old, but the fucking the drive of a twenty-year-old, you know? There's those five Viagras. <laughs> oh my god! So, what what does the future hold? Well, How Dave, Dave, I'm a, mate. Every day, I I just wake up hoping something's going to happen to me. Yep. And this, and I've got hope that one day a door's going to open and someone will fucking pull me in. Yeah. I've never had any help, support, anything in my whole fucking life. Mm. No one's ever put their arm around me and gone, "How you feeling, Tim?" Ever. Yeah. Ever in my whole life, bar my fiance, the one who died. You know? mm. She was the only one. Other than that, every every other cunt's just too scared, or fucking they use you, or fucking you know. Mm. I'd go out score with the women. They'd you know, do you know what I mean? They, they only hung you around because I'd score with the chicks for them. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, Dave, who knows? Mm. But there's hope there. That's why I get up every day smiling. I do my little gym, and hey, if I got to sit at home all day and do fuck all well, hey, so be it. Yeah. You know, I'm not out there killing anyone. Yeah, I'm not out there hurting anyone. I'm not doing nothing, you know. So I'm just waiting for the the opportunity. But I keep saying to, to Jesus, whoever's up there, fucking hurry up, mate! I'm fucking sixty. Come on, mate! I want to fucking enjoy my success. I don't want to be in a fucking Zimmer frame. Come on! So you know, I don't think I've led this life for fucking no reason. Yeah, I've had to lead it for something. Yeah, whether I get a good job out of it, or or a good chick, you know, or something. Yeah, but I mean, I'm on Tinder at the moment. Mate, 
as soon as you say you're unemployed, fucking deleted. Yeah, you know, they don't want to fucking know. So when when people say, "Oh, we," you'll have to call yourself an author. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That'll keep him going for a little while longer. Got to call myself something. Pod- yeah, pod- podcaster. Podcaster. Uh, well, well, now you can. Well, hey, this is the this is the second podcast I've done. Now, I mean, the dyslexic centre they done one for me in 2017. They yeah. done one. Yeah, they were doing one. Tim, would you like to come in and uh, sit there and uh, sit there and uh, mate? The director said the camera loves you. Yeah. And, you I'm, and I'm thinking, here's, here's my stardom. Yeah. Someone's going to see it. <laughs> Fuck knows where that went. Yeah. Well, don't rely on this podcast because <laughs> apart from us, it's probably, well, Matt's mum. This is good, Shit. Shit. And I've been swearing. <laughs> oh, that's fine, that's fine. This is real, though. This is the difference that... You know, this is what's great about having your own sort of studio and having people on that you want to have on. It's like there's no pressure in terms of what you want to talk about, what you want to say. It's like say what you want because, you know, there's no producer in the corner going, um, oh, we'll have to strike all of that. It's like, no, it's, this is a real person. You know, I mean, this is you. You, you. This is how you'd be if you met you on the street, you know. It's just... So how many people are listening to the thing? <laughs> well, it's going good. Well, apart from us? Yeah. I think uh, maybe you reached 10,000 people last oh, month. Yeah, with with all the media. Yeah, we've got over ten thousand. Um, no, it's going well, and it's growing. And this is episode number twenty. Uh, and and I'm born on the twentieth. So hey, 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 that's something. I'm go. single. I need a woman. I need a job. <laughs> there you go. All the numbers are in alignment. <laughs> Did you have a footy number that was yours? Three. Number three. Why? Just just like three. That was it. Yeah. yeah. Like three. Is this still a number today? I was never the captain or the vice captain, so I thought I'd get number three. Ah. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> number one and number two are always cycling in it out, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, no, look, hey, I, I get up every day, do my gym, and uh, just I just I'm hoping. Yeah, you know, you've got to be grateful and have gratitude for everything in life. And you know what? I always say, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm I'm, I'm still healthy. I'm, mm. Thank you so much for the life I've had. I'm grateful and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of what I've got, but I fucking hate my life. <laughs> so, hey, you know. Yeah. But I am grateful for what I have. Yeah. But I still don't like my life. Yeah. Because I've still only got 15 bucks in my pocket. Yeah. I'm unemployed at 60. You know, there's 25-year-old kids who got more shit than me, you know. I live in a housing trust house of fuck all. Mm. But myself and my gym. That's it. Yeah. It's not much. I'm not material. So I, I, I never grew up being materialistic because I never knew I was never going to have anything, you know. Mm. So to this day, so your self-esteem takes a battering when you see your mate's kids have more shit than you and they've got holiday houses and fucking cars and jeeps and all that shit and you're driving around in a bucket of fucking shit and living in a housing trust house. You know, it yeah. does a lot to you. But you've got to wake up every day and have that resilience in you and go, do you know what, hopefully one day, yeah. hopefully one day someone will put their shoulder, you know, their arm around me and go, do you know what, Tim, I'll help you. Yeah, yeah. I'll help you, mate. That's all. Well, it's the theme of this podcast. You know, the race is long, and and oh, that's uh, it. and uh, you have continually put yourself in positions wherever you could that opened a door yeah. to the next thing, and, and nothing ever opened. Oh well, it's, it's, it's still here, it's well, still going. It, it's bizarre. I, I, I would say you're downplaying it because, uh, like I say, there's plenty of people that have never put, ne- never had the chance to fight for a title, and they've. Perhaps they've they plied themselves for ten or fifteen years at their craft and 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 threw themselves in their training for years and years and fell down at the critical moment or let themselves down when the chance when the door opened. But you, on the other hand, 
Mate. That was one of those opportunities that came easier for you than it would for most. And But not only that, but you had the presence of mind to take the opportunity when you did. I look, I look like a goose, but I've still done it, you know. Yeah. You've got to do things in life, mate, you know, but I've always been driven. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it's that drive that takes you through to this next chapter, whatever yeah. might, might yeah. be awaiting us in that next yeah. uh, 10, 20, 30 years, I hope, or more. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when Matty said, you want to come on for the 100th time? I thought, oh, well, <laughs> I'll just have to it look It only took me. 100 times. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll just have to look at my fucking calendar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, tomorrow's dull day, so, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll be good. I'm doing yeah. nothing today, so I'll come down and get a free coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use my senior citizen's card on the public transport, so. I was, I was laughing. Uh, it's so good that you did come in. We won't wrap it up there, but I'm really appreciative of having you. And as you said before, you know, just you are such a real person and you're not putting on a performance or anything. I mean, this is, you know, the Tim that I know every every time I speak to you and, and you're charismatic, entertaining, um, completely raw and honest guide. Uh, and as I said, an inspiration. And you might not see it that way, but you really are. So thank you again for coming in. And uh, anyone who's interested in... Tim's story. We'll we'll keep uh, tabs on Tim as we go, and and maybe uh, another I, round I, in in the future or something. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're gonna help Tim set up some socials. Very <laughs> soon. Hey, well, <laughs> I am on Tinder. Uh, <laughs> you can head over right there now if you like. Step swipe one. right. Swipe right. Yeah. So thank you everybody for listening. This is the Daily Combat Podcast. Hollywood Matt Connolly, Dave Stockbridge, and our special guest today was Tim Jardine. So thank you, Tim. Back off to the northern suburbs. <laughs> You've been listening to the Daily Combat Podcast. Special thanks also go out to our main sponsor, Real Estate Agents Group. This company is growing to become one of South Australia's largest independent real estate groups. With their board of directors with over 100 years of collective real estate industry experience, Real is for real people by real people. Check them out on Facebook under Real Estate Agents Group or visit their website urbanandruralsales.com.au. The Daily Combat Podcast is proudly brought to you by Dave Stockbridge, Isabella Rossitano and Hollywood Matt Connolly. Make sure to give us a five-star review as this helps us to continue to promote combat sports in Australia and around the world. You can find out more information about the podcast at dailycombatnews.com You can also follow us on all social media platforms with full video episodes available on YouTube. Just search The Daily Combat Podcast. Thank you again for listening from all of us here at The Daily Combat Podcast team. <laughs>